season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Hello, football faithful. Welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. We have a very special guest today. I am talking to Super Bowl champion and former tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, Chicago Bears, and Indianapolis Colts. Trey Burton is with us. Trey, how are we doing? Doing well, bro. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for taking the time. Greatly appreciate it. So I kind of want to start here. What has Trey Burton been up to? Where are you living right now? Are you back in uh, back at home in Florida? Yeah, man. Yeah, we, my family and I live in Tampa and um, haven't been doing much. You know, honestly, I've been trying to enjoy my time as, as a dad and uh, be as active as I can. You know, my kids sporting events and school and, you know, those types of things. But uh, just been hanging out. We, we've been having some good weather. It's the cold front starting to kick in. First one of the year, mm-hmm. you know, in the 50s, 50, high 40s, low 50s right now. So a little chilly, but uh, just been enjoying my time down here. Trey, I live in Canada. Okay, so do you want to know how much snow yeah. is outside my door right now? <laughs> I, I do not want to know. I can tell you that. <laughs> so you should be uh, you should be blessed to be living in Florida, that's for sure. But uh, are you staying in shape, and are you looking to come back to the NFL? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm in shape. Uh, you know, always listening to opportunities, um, and uh, we'll see what happens. You know, going into next year. Okay, so I kind of want to start in your uh, in your high school days because you you started off as a quarterback, and did, yeah. you, you played uh, quarterback in high school, and you were and you were taken you were signed to Florida as kind of an athlete style uh, prospect. Did you always want to be a quarterback? Was that the, kind of the goal from day one? Yeah, I mean, so my freshman year, uh, I started on varsity as a safety and then we were really bad. And the coach was basically like, let's try to put like one of our best athletes at quarterback and let's see what happens. And that's kind of how I became became a quarterback. Yeah, I wanted to always be a quarterback but I realized once I got to Florida that my arm talent wasn't as good as, you know, the average guy and especially in the SEC in college football. And so, uh, and then that was at the, at the same time as I was realizing, realizing that uh, Urban basically was like, hey, I want to want you to do a little bit of everything. And so, but yeah, long story short, I would, I would still love to be a quarterback. They'd be able to touch the ball every single play and basically control what happens is, you know, it's fun. So how did the, how did the transition to tight end come about? Uh, we were in, so there's, there's two quarterbacks on scholarship my freshman year at Florida. It was myself and John Brantley. John Brantley was a starter, was a, a senior. And I think he was the number one quarterback in his draft class, but he was behind Tebow for his whole career. And so he was going to get the starting job, um, deserved a starting job. He was a really good quarterback. And uh, training camp, first one, uh, probably it's third, third or fourth weekend, Urban busted into the quarterback meeting room at like 10 o'clock at night and was like, and well, I mean, I'm a freshman, bro. I'm dead. You know, week three of training camp. I have no clue what's going on. Delirious. And I just remember him like busting through the door and like, I like, I'm like shocked. He's like, Hey, uh, Trey, you're too athletic to not be playing on the field for us on Saturdays. We need you to change positions and do a little bit of everything. So it's starting tomorrow morning. 
you're going to be in the tight end room and moving to the running back room and in the wide receiver room. And we're going to get all that figured out. And then like closes the door and walks out. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> so here we go. That's what we're going to be doing. I love it. Uh, did you, did you kind of like it right away? Like, did you fall in love with the position or did you kind of have some second thoughts at the beginning? It sucks, bro. It sucks. <laughs> going, going from never getting hit. Like that's yeah. what people don't realize. Like the physicality part of, you know, not being every other position except for quarterback you know, going from never being hit except for game days to, like, having to hit every single day. It, yeah. Doing that at a college level puts a big toll on your body. You know, maybe, like, at, in Pop Warner in high school, you know, it's a little bit different. But, you know, everybody seek they know that you're a quarterback and they know mm-hmm. that you don't really know how to hit. So they, they're seeking you to try to hit you, you know, and they're taking advantage of it. Yeah, well, going from, like, off to just right in the – right right on the line, right beside a tackle, like, it's probably probably a crazy transition sucks um <laughs> all righty let's talk about 2017 trey uh i want to start in training camp here so i remember the buzz kind of surrounding carson wentz at the training camp he, he looked different um he, he was buzzing you guys were uh the offense was clicking i remember just the, the beat writers and reporters were kind of talking about it did you know kind of in training game did you know that there was something special here and uh you're talking about the super Bowl season yeah or the year before that yeah no, 2017. Super yeah, uh, training camps. So I guess Carson's second season. Um, just did it, did you know it started clicking kind of in training camp? Uh, I mean, everybody feels good during training camp. You know, like every team I've been on, everybody thinks they have a chance to win a championship in training camp. So yeah, I mean, was it abnormal? I mean, I don't know if I would say it's, it was abnormally, you know, uh, uh, excite, excitement, but. Uh, no, we definitely knew we had a good team, and you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for you to make it to the very end. You know, so week three, I feel like is kind of when the, the 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 train tracks started going. Okay, you guys started. You guys, I think, won off nine in a row after that Giants game. Um, Jake Elliott comes in, and week two was his first game. How uh, how different did it kind of go when he hits that kick, that kick in week three? Did you did you do you guys like know him very well? Because I think he was just signed about a week before that, correct? Yeah, yeah, no one really knew him. Um, so we week three, we played the Giants week three, and then we yes. played uh, City week four. Uh, week four, I'd have to double check. I can't, I can't remember exactly played week four, but I know you guys whipped up nine in a row after week three after that Giants kick. Maybe we played Kansas City week two. I thought yeah, you know, Kansas, I thought Kansas City was Kansas week two. City. Yeah, Kansas City was okay. week two. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. So because Kansas City, I think was supposed to be pretty good that year, and I remember it was a pretty close game. We we kind of we beat ourselves. There was a couple of mistakes. I think yeah. we had a turnover on offense, and then we did something on defense where they had like a long run play or a long pass play that we shouldn't have gave up. I think after that, we knew we were pretty good. You know, and anytime you have to go into Kansas City when Kansas City's rolling, um, it's tough to play. It's a tough place to play. But yeah, after that Giants win, um, it was just like. We, just, we had a ton of confidence, you know, going into the next couple of weeks. And uh, anytime you can win a game like that, I mean, that was absolutely nuts. I just, I'll never forget that the rest of my life. Did uh, that bet that uh, that that Jason Peters said he's like, if he, if I believe he said, if uh, don't miss this kick, you kind of like pressure him into it on the sidelines. But if I don't recall, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure he said something like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Jay, you were part like that team. Like, I kind of look back on it. Like, that tight ends room was stacked. Like, you, Brett Seller, Zach Ertz. What, what did you kind of take away from playing with those guys? Man, I, I was so fortunate, dude, during my time mm-hmm. in Philly. All four years I was there, all three of us were there. And, like, you you know, you might have two guys stay, you know, for four years maybe. But, like, the fact that you had three guys for four years, man, we, we just loved being around each other. Like, you can 
you can get tired of people, you know, you, people can get old or you, you can get annoyed with people, but bro, like we, we never, I never sensed any of that. Like we're still boys to this day. You know, I've, I talked to Zach and Selick, you know, I wouldn't say daily, but you know, what once or twice a month is to check in. And we had such a special relationship. I think, um, I think it all started with Selick. You know, he was so unselfish. He, he was probably one of the most unselfish players in the history of the Eagles, man. Like he was willing to do anything. If you wanted him to be on punt team, He'd be on punt team. He wanted to be on punt return. Like, I mean, literally, whatever the coaches asked, that's what he did. And so I think, you know, with him being unselfish uh, and then the, it kind of trickled down on Ertz, you know, when Ertz was there, his rookie year, and then it trickled down on me. Uh, but I was more of a guy – like, Ertz was a, a high draft pick. I wasn't a high draft pick. I was more of like, a, oh, I hope I'm here. You know, I'm going to try to make it. Whereas Ertz was like, no, I'm going to be here. So I think Ertz and Selleck's relationship could have been the rocky one, you know, just because of, like, Ertz is supposed to be the next guy and Selleck was supposed to – you know, yeah. move on his way out. But that, that's just, I think that just shows the character of Selick, you know, of not like, not necessarily being threatened and like seeing Ertz as like a companion, like, oh, him and I together could be legit, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I just kind of followed their lead. And man, they took me under their wing, bro. And everything I know, you know, from a tight end standpoint is from Ertz and Selick and even James Casey, who was there my fresh my, my rookie year. Um, yeah. It was just a really special group, you know, led by uh, a great coach and Justin Peel. Um, who's now in Atlanta, you know, coaching Kyle Pitts, uh, the Gator tight end. And so uh, everything was just perfect, you know, a perfect scenario for all of us. You have a good Brent Selleck story? I feel like he's an undertalk about Eagle of all time. <sighs> Man, Brent is a legend. Yeah. There's so many stories, you know, I can't – nothing that, like, immediately pops up that I want to share on the, <laughs> on the podcast. But, yeah, uh, I mean, he just goes out of his way to be a great guy, you know, in, in all aspects of life. Okay, so I believe it was week 14 against the LA Rams. I could be wrong. I have to, uh, I don't yeah. know the exact week, but week 14, Carson Wentz goes down. You had a monster game. Okay, I feel like people forget that as well. You had two touchdown performance. What kind of went through your head? When did you find out that Carson Wentz towards ACL? Um, probably after, I mean, right after he did it, because he walked off yeah. the sideline. And I think that was like the very beginning of like the, the medical tents that they would, you know, put up and pop up tents, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he went in there. And when he came out, he came out with uh, Dom, who's head of security, and we were all like, "Hey, what's going on?" And he's like, "It's not looking pretty good." But uh, I definitely, I definitely didn't know he did it when he scored, and I definitely didn't know he did it you know, during the two-point conversion, which is mm -hmm. nuts. And he was just standing out there with a messed-up knee. But uh, no, that probably after you know after the play, we all got to the sideline when the defense was out there. Did the team kind of did the team kind of feel it? Like, did you did you was there kind of a different feeling in the locker? Did it kind of feel like, oh my god, the season could be over? Or did, did, did none of that kind of hit in your guys' minds? Well, I think – I don't, I don't really think so because we had just clinched a playoff berth. Maybe we might have clinched – we clinched something important, maybe the NFC East. Uh, the NFC game. East was clinched that game, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. so, mm -hmm. yeah, we clinched the NFC East. So we were, we were really celebrating about that, obviously keeping Carson in the back of our minds. Um, but, I mean, we knew we had Foles, you know, as well that could, you know, help and step in and, and do what he did. Obviously not the level that he did do it, but we knew he, obviously Foles was a great player and mm -hmm. um, he could play at a high level. So, but you hate it for Carson. I mean, he was, he was guaranteed. I mean, I would have put every dollar I had on him winning the MVP oh, of the NFL yeah. that season, you know, and he played so well at a high, such a high level. Okay. The celebrations that year, I feel like that also comes to mind. Who was the choreographic, who, who made, who created all these celebrations? I believe there was one, I, I feel like I don't know if I'm just uh, imagining this, but wasn't there one where you guys sat down and the, the fire celebrated? I believe you scored a touchdown. Was it you? Yeah, that was that was when yeah. we played the Giants. That was like yes, after okay. the Rams game. Yeah. So who choreographed that one? 
You know, oh, I, it was just it was me. Honestly, it was a spur of the moment. I was oh, wide okay. open. It was spur of the moment. Just, you just brought it just right when you scored. You didn't even. It wasn't like pre-planned. Well, it's cold as heck. We were playing in <laughs> uh, in New York, bro. It's freezing. And yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. So I remember I was wide open, and I just remember just catching the ball. And I, I I'm pretty good at spinning it. Like I do it with my kids all the time. And they love when I do that. And I just sat okay. down and did the fire. But no, I think it all started with Doug Peterson. Like he was so open to letting us. He, his biggest thing was like, be you. Like do do what you do. And he was really open about letting us celebrate. And so Alshon and uh, Tory Smith, like, went full head of steam forward. You know, every yeah. time someone scored, they're doing a celebration. But it was fun. Um, who? Uh, okay, I got the electric slide in Chicago coming by. Who? Whose idea was that one? Is that like oh, that man. was an all time? That was an all time. No, that was a defensive one. So if I had yeah. to guess, I think it was like uh, Najee Good was definitely. Well, he was the one who messed it up. He was the one who, <laughs> who screwed up a dance. It was probably Malcolm Jenkins. If I or Rodney McLeod, those were probably the two guys that set it up. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, okay, Trey Burton, Philly special here. We got we got to dive into this. How did this play come together? Who whose idea was it? When did you find out about it? Um, I think Press Press Taylor, who uh, he's now, I think he's in India as a quarterback coach, but he yep. was a uh, quality con- control in Philly. And I guess Press's job because we had a, we had a first round bye for the uh, playoffs that year, and so Press's job was kind of like to find one or two or three trick plays that we could you know potentially run and practice just in case we you know we need it, put it in the back of our bag, you know, and so or the bottom of our bag. And so uh, practice week of the bye week during the first round of playoffs is when we kind of put it in. And, you know, you're going to hear a lot of stories about it didn't look good. It didn't look pretty, but obviously it looked good enough and pretty enough for us to call it, you know, later on. But well, usually I knew or I had an idea of when the opportunity was, you know, for it to be called. It has to be like a specific, you know, inside the four or five yard line and, yep. you know, on the left hash and a bunch of things that go into it. Um, but when they called it, I had no clue that they were going to call it. When uh, were you always the one throwing the ball? Did, did they practice yeah. anyone else tossing it? Okay. So. You Nick Foles comes off the sideline, he goes into the huddle, and he goes Philly special. Does it like kind of click in your mind like holy like this could be like an all time Super Bowl moment? Like did that even kind of cross your mind at that time? Honestly, no, not at all. I had no clue. No, I was yeah. one of the one of the guys in the huddle didn't. I don't think he really knew what what Foles said because it was kind of loud in the end zone, and so like yeah. I was just trying to like yell and like say what Foles said and called and call on the play. And I mean, next thing I know, I had. The ball was snapped, and I had the ball in my hand, you know, and the falls was wide open. Did that Was that ball a little heavier? The ball feel no, a tad heavier? No? I think if I would have had time, like if they would have told me, if they would have, before they called a timeout, they'd been like, hey, because I was on the sideline before they called a timeout, hey, we're going to run the Philly special. And I had like the whole timeout to think about it and then, you know, had to go into the huddle. I think I would have probably would have screwed it up. But since it happened so fast and we were like late to get the personnel in and we're late to break the huddle and, you know, the clock was kind of winding down, there's like a lot of, a lot of, Rush factors that were probably in on for my benefit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if I would have had time to think about it, I mean, I, it was, who knows what would have happened. <laughs> so I know, like the Philly special, obviously, like it was one of the craziest plays in Super Bowl history, and you were you were the quarterback of it. Is there any? Is there another play, maybe in that Super Bowl game or just in 2017 in general, that like you think about all the time? Maybe besides the Philly special, like that, that that's a moment that that you will never forget. Or a moment that you know that will, that will go with you forever. Just not the Philly special because you were the that everyone talks about an under talk about play that no one brings up in your mind. Man, we, I mean, the uh, the Corey Clement catch obviously in the Super Bowl was just re- absolutely ridiculous. The throw and the catch, 
I think in the Minnesota game, you know, there were so many, we did so many good things on offense and obviously we routed them, but like the flea flicker to, uh, the, uh, Torrey Smith, I mean, dude, the throw and the catch on that was just dumb. Even, I mean, fast forward to the Super Bowl, Alshon's touchdown was ridiculous, man. The throw and, you know, Foles is just on fire. You know, there's so many really good memories, you know, about it, the way we were able to run the ball, how dominant we were from an offensive line standpoint. There's just, there was just a lot of things, you know, I kind of think about outside of, you know, that play. Okay, last question here, Trey. So let's fast forward to today. Uh, you played under Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, what, what are the Eagles players getting from him, and what did you learn from him when you were in Indy? Man, he's a rock star, uh, a great coach. Uh, I think he's just going to continue to do a better and better. I mean, the fact that they made the playoffs this year, you know, with um, everything against them, you know, for the most part. He just does a phenomenal job of rallying the guys around. You know, he does, he's a really good play caller. Um, he's brought some great coaches with him, you know, from Indy um, to, you know, kind of help him out. And um, I think he's going to do a really good job from here on out. You know, you never know. First year is always such a crapshoot, you know, especially because the majority of guys aren't his dudes, you know, on the roster. And so uh, I think he's going to do a, a lot better job in the draft than Eagles have done before in the past because Eagles have been absolutely horrible in the draft, you know, mm-hmm. um, over the last 15 years or 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so – um, I hope that he gets more of an opportunity to get his guys in there, you know, and uh, make a name for himself and pick the guys he wants. Philadelphia Eagles legend and Super Bowl champion Trey Burton. Trey, thank you so much for taking the time here. I really appreciate it. Anytime, bro. Talk to you soon. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Not everyone has someone they can lean on and talk to. That's where BetterHelp comes in. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed therapist. If you ever search for a counselor in an area, you know it can take even weeks or months just to get a phone call back. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating in as little as 48 hours. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash podcast. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into the 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. It's New Year and New Me with the Global Leaders on Blow the Waste Grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with the Performance Package 4.0 and brand new ultra premium body wash. Inside the performance package 4.0, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000 K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land in 2022 looks to be. A grooming routine isn't complete without applying crop preserver and crop reviver before showing off your 2022 self. These unique formulations take care of the smelliest part of your body and are a big boost to your confidence in the new year. Get 20% off and free shipping using code doink at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping using code doink at manscaped.com. Take your ball defense to the promised land with Manscaped. Last sponsor for today's episode is CoolBet. CoolBet is the most transparent gaming company in the world. CoolBet also provides the best odds in Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use the deposit code doink, D-O-N-K, doink, for 100% welcome bonus of $200 when signing up with CoolBet. That's code doink, and CoolBet will match your first deposit up to $200. People are friends at CoolBet Canada. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CoolBet Canada. CoolBet. Stay cool and bet responsibly.